It's 11.07. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, well, Brian, we're going to have to look into this uh, when Jennifer uh, is, uh, when her segment is over, because I am curious. Apparently, they're going to uh, revamp uh, two classic films. Yes, sir. The Wizard of Oz. That's and one. It's a Wonderful Life. And It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. It's, and, uh, like, apparently, it's offensive in some way, and they has to be uh, fixed. Who in the hell could they be offending in The Wizard of Oz? I'm Which not is? sure, but uh, we're going to find out. That's Tin sure. Men. Yeah, and scare, Scarecrows. Yeah, there's, they've never been treated fairly in the news. Yeah. Well, we'll find I mean, out. They tried to oil the Tin Man on camera. I mean, that was, oh, yeah. It was really too. upsetting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you can't make it up. That's unbelievable. I you, can't. I, I, I'm I just like, thinking. I've got a Wizard of Oz pinball machine. That, uh, I, I always loved that movie, and I wonder what they're going to do to mix that up. Because I can't think, unlike Dumbo and a few others, I can't think of something that wouldn't hold up. I, it's been a minute since I've seen the movie, but... What are they complaining about? That movie is over 100 years. It's like, on, not 100, like 90 years old or something? Give me a break. First yeah. color movie. I don't... Uh, yellow slippers, golden slippers, no. Tin Man, no. Flying monkeys, I don't know. Who knows? I, I have no idea what could possibly be offensive and need a remake. I don't know. Uh, you're just not going to beat Judy Garland in that role. That was, that was, uh, I think, uh, her best role. Anyway, we've got to move on because, well, the Supreme Court is letting the Border Patrol remove this razor wire in Texas. For now. That's the key word. For now. That's the key phrase. What's going on? Yeah, Gary, this is a 5-4 decision with two conservative members of the court. Chief well, Justice one John and a half. Roberts and Justice Amy Coney Barrett join in the three liberal justices to form the majority in this 5-4 decision. But here's the thing, Gary. I think it just goes to show you once again that um, conservative justices do split and they do disagree because they follow the law regardless of the result or their policy choice that they want, which we can't always say of the liberal justices. And in this case... They think that uh, Texas sued the federal government, and they didn't think that Texas's arguments about the federal government's sovereign immunity in these border situations were sufficient to uh, maintain this injunction that a lower court had put in place uh, prohibiting the, the razor wire from being cut off of private landowners' homes to slow down this migration, illegal border crossings. Um, not migration. I'm annoyed by that word that they're using for this, like it's something natural. Uh, but in any event, I, I think the case isn't necessarily over. Texas could try to win this lawsuit. But the bigger question is a policy one. Like, what in the heck is Biden doing using all the resources, using Department of Justice resources to fight against Texas, taking it upon their own initiative to slow this stuff down with uh, using razor wire with the permission of private landowners on borderland you know it makes no sense whatsoever to me that they so, would do that so this was federal land 
not state land, federal land. No, it's not federal land. It's uh, private landowners gave Texas permission to put this razor wire on there. But because it involves the border, that falls into you know, federal territory, and uh, they have sovereign immunity from being sued about what they do with regard to the border. And so if they want to cut it down, they, uh, Coney Barrett and Roberts agreed with the three liberal justices that for now, Texas hasn't done enough to show that uh, they can bring this lawsuit for this, you know, area of law in which the federal government's, you know, policies reign supreme. But their policies are stupid. That's the whole reason they had to put border wire there to begin with. Well, you know, and I, the federal government wasn't working with landowners to do it. I have yeah, a problem here. Migration. I have a problem here with private property. If I have private property and I want to put razor wire on it because people are coming across my property, I don't think the federal government has a role to play in stopping that. Yeah, you know what their excuse is, Gary? They're like, well, it's interfering with our ability to police the border. Well, that's your tough well, you luck. Must not be doing, you must not be doing that great of a job policing that border if, uh, you know, you can't figure out how to drive on the right side of the razor wire or whatever, whatever the case may be. It's ridiculous. It's just they want an open border, and this is obvious from them bringing this lawsuit to begin with. Well, they also sued him last year, remember, when he had the floating barrier in the Rio Grande. And the federal government sued him over that to make him take that down as well. They also sued... When Arizona built that uh, ball with container ship, uh, you know, the ships from, uh, what am I, the containers from trucks, they built a wall with that because, you know, the feds hadn't continued building the wall and under Biden, and they made them tear that down, too. So it's very clear that the Biden administration wants this open border. They don't want to know who's coming into our country. They're welcoming all of these people in with open arms. We have no idea who they are. And their policies of having the Department of Justice do everything to inhibit states from making our country safer on their own dime is uh, proof of that, in my opinion. Well, we're actually inviting them in. By the way, uh, Scott has responded, and I'll do this while you're still on the air because um, you may not uh, be able to catch the uh, segment on the Wizard of Oz. But Scott, perspicacious as he may be, said the Wizard of Oz is offensive to Democrats because of the scarecrow. You know, people with no brains. Uh, I think Scott may have nailed that one. So, all right, we shared that, but we have to move on. We'll cover that story in the next segment uh, of the program. Friend of three Chiefs uh, fans froze to death. What, what? What? What is this? This is a crazy story out of Missouri making national news, Gary, and I cannot really understand what the situation is. I've been reading articles on this as news is broken on this, but a man named Jordan Willis, 38 years old, said that he had no idea how his friends died and he was sleeping, but three of his friends somehow ended up dead from allegedly, you know, being exposed to the cold uh, on his porch at his house. And everyone was looking for these guys. Their cars were parked in front of his house. They couldn't find these guys anywhere. Uh, they supposedly died while he was sleeping. But the Kansas City police are like, this is not a homicide. We're not looking into it. But the family members are like, this does not add up. The low temperature that night was only 32. This is the January 9th game, not this, you know, not last, a week uh, and two days yeah. ago game where it was crazy cold. Um, he's an HIV researcher and protein scientist. 
who lives and works in the home at uh, Northwest 83rd Terrace in Kansas City, Missouri. They they found these bodies. uh, They found the bodies on January 9th. They've been there since January 7th uh, when the three men visited him to watch the Chiefs play. So, yeah, it's just such a weird set of circumstances. Family members have suggested poisoning. And this is just speculation on my part. But what immediately jumped to my mind is, like, did they get a bad batch of, like, gummies or something that acted, made them act, you know, bullish to, like, stay outside and lower their, you know, heart rate or something to where they could freeze to death? Like, what exactly happened here? Because it's not every day you see three grown men who went over to watch the football game end up just dying from staying outside, right, overnight. It makes no sense. That's weird. Isn't that bizarre? I think exposed to freezing temperature of 32 degrees might eventually take you out. It could, uh, but you'd have to stay there for a while, right? Well, apparently they did. <laughs> apparently they did. Yeah, they did. Uh, unless he's but got... all three of them? No one's like, hey, buddy, wake up. We got to go in. Uh, you know, like all three of them? Something was went awry. They, they can't all three have like a heart attack or whatever at the same so time. So they're not autopsying these... There's got, we've got a, I did not see anything about toxicology coming back on these. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to have to wait and see what the heck is. But a lot of the substances leave your body after a certain amount of time. Um, if they've been alive while well, they're freezing to death, it might not still be in their bloodstream. So we're going to have to wait and see and probably do interviews to see what exactly they were up to that night. Because we're missing a piece of the puzzle here. Stuff like this doesn't happen without some other act or he was holding them hostage you know but that you know uh, yeah how would he keep uh, them locked strange. on his porch it's strange and apparently he's moved or the guy as it, it's unclear to me there's apparently another person was there and someone has moved away now out of this house and so uh it's strange and when this the victim's loved ones were banging on the door but he said he didn't hear them because he sleeps with headphones and a fan on, and he didn't see their Facebook messages until after the police show up. And then he nonchalantly, like, answers the door with a glass of wine in his hand. That makes me think maybe he was on something, too, but since he slept in his house, made it. Who knows? Wow. What a weird so story. The last, I'll keep an eye on this case and report back because it's, uh, it's one worth following to see what in the heck happened here. All right, we all know who yeah, Daniel... These are fathers of children that died, you know, middle-aged dads. Horrible. We all know who Daniel Penny is. Uh, he is the veteran that uh, tried to restrain a guy on the subway in New York, and, and the guy died. Uh, he went to uh, court, uh, didn't get the outcome he was looking for. We'll talk about it next with Jennifer Bukowski. On the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. Hey, it is uh, 11.21, and Jennifer Bukowski is with us. Coming up, uh, we are going to uh, find out what is wrong with a couple of classic movies that they need a woke remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being The the Wizard of Oz. I can't think of a more innocuous movie than that. Uh, in any case, Jennifer, the brilliant criminal defense attorney, who, by the way, is going to be filling in uh, for Elijah Har in uh, Springfield on KWTO a little later on this afternoon. She is with us, and uh, we're talking a little bit about Daniel Penny, the veteran who stepped in when a, I would argue, a disturbed man uh, was threatening to kill people. I mean, literally threatening to kill people. He said someone's going to die today. Um, 
he was indicted by a grand jury. Now, there is this expression, you know, you could indict a ham sandwich, and it's certainly true. Daniel Penny would be a perfect case for a grand jury to act as a check on the government and not coming up with an indictment. That was what it was originally thought its role would be. The grand jury is like the citizens can do a check and say, is there enough here to proceed with this trial? But they went ahead and indicted him. This grand jury did, even though unusually the prosecutor apparently did present some exculpatory testimony from witnesses in the train car that day about how scared they were and that he was going to hurt them and that they had uh, one said I've encountered many things one witness told the grand jury but nothing that put fear into me like that he was terrorizing everyone in this train car this marine steps in puts him in a chokehold and they're saying that he was reckless in how long he held him in his chokehold and he ended up passing away but you know, it's kind of hard to say what your goal is right there is to hold on so he can't hurt anyone until you can hand it over to the authorities and to say that he certainly knew that he was killing the guy. I don't think anyone thinks he intended to kill this man. Uh, but this case is proceeding. He filed a motion to dismiss. It was denied. But the standard of proof will be much higher at the trial court level. And I would not be surprised if even a New York City jury comes back with not guilty for this given you know the situation with the subway system and what's happening in new york and the plethora of witnesses that are going to come forward and say he saved me i'm grateful to him but the process is the punishment that's the thing i mean this guy his name has been drugged through the mud he's had to deal with attorneys he's had to miss time from work and school and everything else because they're pursuing this case against him which I think a lot of prosecutors never would have brought. If not, the 99% of prosecutors never would have brought this case. What was the he was point? acting in defense of others. That's justified. That's justified under the law to intercede if someone's threatening the lives of people like that. And uh, he, well, What's the point in prosecuting him? What, what, what is the point they're driving home? I, I think it's some of this woke nonsense. As a person of color who, like, wasn't he like a Michael Jackson impersonator or something that died? And here's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white man that stepped in to save people on the train car, many of whom, by the way, were people of color and grateful to him for it. Uh, several uh, older ladies I, I know I've seen talk in interviews about that and how uh, they disagree with this prosecution. So I don't know what it, what it is, but it seems like we are in a thing. Anytime anyone dies on video in some sort of chokehold, it just, it, uh, I think it smacks too closely to what happened to George Floyd, and for political reasons, they decided to prosecute him. Really, One really? One person on the train said, hey, be careful, you're going to kill him. But it wasn't immediately, like, from the video, you can't tell whether uh, he had stopped breathing or whatever. So it's it's hard to say. Ex experts on the use of force have said, look, you're really, you have no other choice but to just uh, hold on so that they can't keep attacking people once you've got them, you know, subdued. And that, that he wouldn't have necessarily known that the way he was holding them was going to lead to his death. Justice, justice uh, the legal system in this country has gotten completely foobarred. All right, let me let me move on because I've still got a couple of stories left and I'm running out of time. Uh, let's uh, let's make Brian happy. Royals. Royals. Well, the new Royals are Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Uh, oh, that is such a days. stretch, Bukowski. <laughs> 
Such a they're stretch. They're American royalty. Come on. I mean, they're so unique in this world. And uh, I don't understand why people are so annoyed with them panning over to Taylor when her boyfriend scores a touchdown. Like, I want to see her reaction, too. Everybody does. And it's better than, like, some of the other stuff you see in owner's boxes with octogenarians wolfing down food or whatever when they pan over to it. It's a more entertaining show. Uh, with Tre- with Taylor Swift there, and so I'm I'm enjoying it, and uh, I'm enjoying the prestige that she's lending to the Kansas City Chiefs. I way more, especially females in America, know about the Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey now than they did before. But let me tell you. The, the final story I had. Are you ready? Uh, unless you, was it Tim Scott? Can you believe he got engaged? Donald Trump couldn't believe it either. I sent Brian a clip. I don't know if you guys have it. but And today was a big story, the biggest story out there. She's engaged to be married. We never thought this was going to happen. What's going on? <laughs> we never thought you could hook a girl. I mean, forget. <laughs> that kind he's of a, an insult. Well, he's 58 years old. He's never been married, Gary. So I didn't see this one coming either. And in the 90s, he declared himself a proud adult version virgin he's very religious but uh he's in love and said thank you to this uh mindy knows who's finally her name is public she actually came out on stage after one debate appearance so uh they've been seeing each other for a while now and they had their first date involving pickleball which i'm into now and my first date with my husband involved racquetball with my now husband so i i've uh related to that and i'm happy for him but yeah i didn't see that coming you know usually Guys can make it at 59 without getting, or 58 without getting married. I don't know if they're going to get married. Now, some cynical people are like, well, maybe he's just doing this because he wants to be Trump's veep. But he had this girlfriend when he was still running for president. She's a mother of three and uh, an interior designer. And I'm happy for him. He seems like a nice guy. So he finally found love, Gary. It can happen. And, and I'm supposed to believe that he has been celibate uh, for 50 years? I, that was in the 90s where he said he was proudly a virgin. I I don't know if that status quo remains to this day. Uh, I'm sure he will be asked about it by some reporter. You know how uh, they ho- are. Hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully nobody goes there. I did it for humor. All right. Uh, Jennifer Bukowski, thank you for being with us. Look forward to hearing you on KWTO a little later on today. And uh, we'll, we'll chat with you next week. Sounds great. Thanks, Gary. Bye. All right. Take care. Glad to have you on. Uh, Jennifer Bukowski, what a, what an attorney she is. Really, really, really clever. Smart. Um, I don't know what could possibly be wrong uh, with the Wizard of Oz. Uh, and I certainly don't seem to think... Uh, it's a wonderful life. What? Why would they need to be remade? Uh, These two classic films are getting diversity updates. Diversity updates. So uh, who in Jimmy Stewart's family are they going to make a minority member? Maybe they'll do a transgender, Brian. Possibly, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, could be uh, any number of things. You know, in A Wonderful Life, they did have a black maid, so that's got to go. Yeah, um... 
I, I, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to make a, I'm going to take a stab at this, but I'll bet it, it doesn't do real well at the box office. I'm just saying. <laughs> Quick break. We'll be back to chat about that and more on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is 11.35. Glad to have you with us. And apparently they are going to remake those two movies. Um, and I guess there's not really... There's not really something wrong with the original movies in their mind. They just think we need more <laughs> diversity in them. Um, uh, Kenya Barris uh, thinks that they're really... We need to redo these. The original Wizard of Oz took place during the Great Depression. It was about self-reliance and what people were going through. Uh, Barris says, I think this is the perfect time to switch the characters and talk about what someone imagines their life could be. It's ultimately a hero's journey. Someone thinks something's better uh, than uh, what they're at, where they're at, and they go and realize... Uh, that where they're at is where they should be. I want people to be proud and be happy. Well, it seems to me that movie did it. Yeah, it did. Um, why, why it needs a, a remake of a, It's a Wonderful Life, I have no idea. But they, they do. Uh, it's a guy trying to help out a community and do things uh, going to turn around on him. It's a perfect story to tell for a person of color, black or brown. Uh, to get into that because our communities have some issues with someone trying to help that community out. Really? Where? Uh, this is this is a kind of a waste of time and energy and money. It doesn't need a remake. It, it, you know, maybe you... I've got no problem with doing it, but doing it because you want it to be woke. That's just kind of a waste as, as far as I'm concerned. It's just, it's, it's just silly. Uh, how much money have we spent in the last two years trying to shelter people that have been streaming across the border? Uh, I, uh, if you roll back the clock a hundred years ago and somebody came into this country they had to have friends, connections, someplace they could stay, uh, someone they could work with, uh, someone who could, uh, you know, help them to, you know, to start. And it was all based on charity and connections and hard work, and they had to struggle. It was not easy. Uh, I know this because, um, you know, my grandfather... Just one generation, you know, two generations back, had to do this, and he did it. Came to this country, came up through Mexico, ended up in Ohio. Uh, he opened up a, a well, he bootlegged. That <laughs> was the war on alcohol. Uh, but he had a grocery store, and then uh, moved to Cleveland. Had a uh, had a tavern, and lived a pretty good life. All of his children, every one of his children were successful, hardworking, very smart. That's the way it was. Now, 
the federal government starts spending money when you come across the border right away. How much? Well, how's $20 billion over the last two years sound? For a country that's already, you know, $34 trillion in the hole, what's another 10 or $20 billion? The federal agency responsible for busing, sheltering, and supporting the unauthorized immigrant population pouring across America's borders spent about $20 billion over the last two years. Most of that money was spent on sheltering and caring for immigrant children who are in the United States, they say illegally, with other funds also going to help new arrivals from Afghanistan, Cuba, Haiti, and other nations favored by President Biden's immigration policy. It's not just more people, the office of refugee resettlement, part of the Health and Human Services Department, is expanding the type of assistance it offers to include helping migrants access loans to build credit and to collect direct cash payments. You're paying for this. There's, I mean, I'm seeing these stories of Democrats who are really concerned, really worried about, you know, this surge coming across the border. And they want it stopped. And at the same time, the Democrats are bribing these people to come into the country. Look, make up your mind, Democrats, one way or the other. Either you want them to come into the country or you don't. If you don't, the first thing you do is quit rewarding them for coming into the country. That'll never resonate with Democrats. But that's what, you know, that's the way we used to do it. People who came across the country, came into the country 100 years ago, they didn't get all this help. They had to work and scrub floors and do whatever they had to to make a, a living. Teach their kids, you know, you don't want to live like we're living. You want a better life, get a good education, work hard, work smart. Now it's just come on in. We're going to find you a place to stay. Usually it's a hotel that most of us couldn't afford to spend uh, a month in. We're going to feed you. We'll take care of your health care needs. I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm living in some third world hell in South America... And I know that my sick children, if I can just get them into the United States, are going to get medical attention that I'm going to be able to feed them. I'm coming. You throw up a roadblock, I'm going to work around it. If I have to swim around it, fly over it, dig under it, I'm coming into the country. I want my family to survive. And that's... You know, that's the mentality of the people, most of the people coming into the country. I can go up there and I can get all these freebies. Why not? It's, it's, um, it's expensive and it exacerbates the problem. And we keep hearing, oh, fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl. And how are people so stupid they don't realize that the fentanyl market would disappear if we just stopped making drugs illegal, it would just disappear. 
There's just a story in the news now. Uh, it, I think this came out uh, early this morning. I saw it. Uh, the Pawn Star uh, TV show. The guys, the guy that owns uh, that pawn shop in Las Vegas. His son died of a fentanyl overdose. He would be alive today if we didn't have the war on drugs. It, uh, I don't know. I I get I get tired of going over this over and over and over, and and people just just don't seem to get it. 874-9390-800-529-5572. That will get you into the studio. You can uh, uh, chat with us, uh, or you can go to GaryNolan.com, send a message, and it will pop up right here in the studio. Uh, We always, of course, look forward to hearing from you. The Wall Street Journal has a piece about the uh, labor union that went after Amazon. Uh, They won but they lost. And uh, finally, uh, what's going on with Sports Illustrated? Because apparently, uh, they've cut their own throats. So we'll do all that in just a few minutes. This is a quick break. We'll be right back. It is the Gary Nolan Show, and it's the Zimmer Radio Network. Secret project to back up everything on Earth. We'll explain that if we have time before we run out of hour. And uh, we just started talking about immigration again. Uh this, uh, this seems to be an issue that will never be resolved. Neither party wants to fix the problem. And it turns out that in the last two years, we've spent $20 billion of your dollars to welcome people into the country uh, with uh, hotels and meals and health care and education and clothes and everything else. We're actually inviting them here. I'd, if I were in a third world country in South America, I would come up here in a New York second. Uh, to that end, with the immigration conversation, we go to the phones. Tom is on. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Gary. I always appreciate the topics that you choose to talk about because they're timely and pertinent. So I thank you for that. I actually studied immigration at a time when the Internet didn't exist. And what I'm talking about is, of course, from roughly about 1880 to 1920 and discovered then that the United States was and is the most diversified country in the world. So that's one confrontation I would offer for discussion purposes, the nonsense of us needing to be more diversified. It's ridiculous. Uh, Secondly, you are right on target in terms of the circumstances that brought people here. They had to have a sponsor or had to demonstrate financial sovereignty in some way, shape, or form. So uh, my final points would be this. Uh, You mentioned the debt. We're now approaching the interest on our debt at nearly a trillion dollars a year. Uh, And yet that's a financial consideration, but a non-financial consideration of what's happening with immigration is the, the fiber of what it meant to become an American is being eroded, meaning individual responsibility for one's self and non-reliance on government giveaways. There are, so there's two ends of the spectrum from immigration currently that's taking place. It's financial and it will ruin us. Secondly, and perhaps even more importantly, the moral fiber that binds us together as a people, as diversified as we are, is being eroded by giveaways. Yeah, well, we can't afford to continue doing it, 
People that used to come here did come here to work. And when you come here to work, you produce, you consume, you drive the economy. Uh, and now we're just sucking off the government teat. And I have no problem with people coming over here who don't have bachelor's degrees, who don't have master's degrees or PhDs. Uh, these low-skilled workers, their lives will improve. They'll work hard, produce goods at a fairer price. Their children will learn the value of work and money, and they'll do better. It always worked out. But what we're doing now, Tom, is a perversion of what the Founding Fathers envisioned. Thank you for the calls. It used to be called the melting the melting yes, pot. Yes, the great now, melting pot. Now, it, it used to be, it used to be, but it's now the public trough at which too many people are eating. I agree, Tom. Thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show, Mike on immigration. Good morning. Hey, thanks a lot. I like that topic. Listen, I'm going to make a prediction that I don't care uh, uh, if, if there's going to be a next the next. Uh, pre- is a Republican, Trump or whoever, but if they come down on uh, uh, hauling them all out of here, I think gasket, but if Trump really does it, it's going to cause more of a gasket of people getting upset, and uh, I'll tell you what, my question to you is, if I went to Mexico and come through the border, got the food stamps, got the free medical, got 50 tickets to bring a bunch of people into your uh, air, air, uh, your radio station and this and that. Disney tickets and the whole bit. Uh, if I got that, do you think the left would, at least with the hard work I'd done, give me a trophy? Can I get that? <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> something to say things, but I'll tell you what, it's going to get worse. And you haul one person out of here and they fight and pull a knife and get shot, I tell you what, there's going to be, the, the left's going to be burning and going crazy. And it's a sad day that I have to work two jobs and my money's going down to them. And I'm sitting here worried about why it's going to cost me $1,500 to have my wisdom teeth pulled. You know? right, let me ask you a question, uh, Mike. If uh, somebody wanted to come into this country from Venezuela, South America, somewhere. They weren't criminals. They weren't drug addicts. Uh, they just wanted to come in here and go to work. Uh, but uh, but the federal government says uh, you know, only so many people are allowed to come in at a time. Uh, from Mexico, there's a certain number. From Venezuela, there's a certain... Would you, would you argue that if they want to come in, they should be able to come in if all they want is to work? I want to see their background, uh, criminal background. Well, let's assume they, that they don't. Let's assume that they're not. They're they are known criminals. They just want a chance. Yeah, percentage from each group. Uh, no, I'm just. I'm, uh, we we have uh, reason to believe that they're they're uh, not criminals. They just want to come here and work. Right. They're not bad. Yeah. They're, they're not college educated. They don't even have a high school de- uh, degree. They don't want. They just want to come here and work. Would you let them in? I would say as long as they pass the good, uh, the legal way to come in, but put them on a, I would put them on a one temporary uh, thing. If you don't, uh, if you don't uh, screw that up, cause any problems, uh, anything, then let's do a three-year. But I'd put them on that. But I'll tell you this. Me and my son went to Canada and accidentally, I mean, up to Sault Ste. Marie, accidentally took the wrong route and went over into Canada. I thought I was 
I was going to prison and him too, and this was like three years ago. And uh, I tell you what, it took us three hours to get out of there, and then crossing that bridge was about the length of Missouri State River Bridge five times. It took us four hours to get across there, bumper to bumper. And I tell you what, there's more cameras. Canada is more harder to get in, and twice as hard to get out. And I bet you, I bet you, if I walk down there to Mexico, I bet it take me three hours to get a, to, to walk in that country. But I tell you what, come into the United States. Well, as long as they took the razor wire down, I don't want to ch- uh, hurt myself or get a scratch. But I still want that damn. I still want that damn trophy. Can you do that for me, Gary? Uh, no, Mike, but I appreciate the call. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Look, the, the point that I'm trying to make is we shouldn't have artificial numbers where we say, well, only 5,000 people can come in from Mexico and only 3,000 people from here and 10,000 from this other country. Those things should go away. We shouldn't reward anybody who comes here. They should come here looking to work and produce We shouldn't have any uh, education requirements. If, If we just let those people in that want to work, we will all benefit from that. Every one of us will benefit from that. Because in order to work, they have to live, they have to eat, they've got to buy clothing, they've got to survive. That drives the economy. And there is no full up. There's no point where you go, well, we're 350 million people now. That's full. Anything after this is just going to hurt us. No. No, that's not the case at all. There is no full mark. And as long as there are job opportunities, whether it's picking vegetables or sweeping floors or whatever, as long as there are job opportunities that, that these people think will make their lives better, we should let them come in and do it. The, the problem here is that the Democrats won't stop rewarding the people who want to come into the country but don't want to work. They, they say, oh, well, we want to be a sanctuary city. And then they start complaining they're running out of money. Well, that's because you're a sanctuary city that's rewarding people for just existing. Get out of that business. And tell them, you look, you, you're fine. You stay here. We're not feeding you. It gets cold in the winter. You better find a job and a place to stay. And no, we're not paying for your health care. You better, you're going to have to rely on private charity. Hopefully there's an organization out there raising money to help you. Because we're not going to burden our residents. That's how it's supposed to be handled. The Democrats won't stop that. And the Republicans are playing games with it, too. We're out of time. we got to run. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.